Thank you for listening to this month's special series, Spotlight on Neurology and Psychiatry, on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Psychiatrist Prakash Masand has been quoted as saying, The difference between a good clinician and a great clinician is that a great clinician is better at managing side effects. How can we improve our psychotropic side effect management? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host, and with me today is Dr. Ronald Pies. Dr. Pies is professor of psychiatry and lecturer on bioethics and humanities at SUNY Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York. He is also a clinical professor of psychiatry at Tufts School of Medicine in Boston and editor-in-chief of the Psychiatric Times. He is also the author of several books, ranging from psychopharmacology to poetry to philosophy. Welcome to ReachMD. Thanks very much, Dr. Long. Good to be here. Ron, as I told you, I don't think anybody else could talk about psychopharmacology and poetry and philosophy the way that you do. Well, thanks. I'll certainly give it a try. Well, we'll start with psychopharmacology here. How do you think the typical average clinician out there scores in side effect management? Well, Leslie, I think the score is directly proportional to the clinician's experience and inversely proportional to how busy he or she is. Assessing side effects really takes time. And if you're in a setting where only 15 minutes is allowed for an appointment, you are really handicapped. For some side effects, like sexual side effects, if you don't ask, the patient won't tell. And in terms of how well we do in general, you know, some data suggests that as many as a third of patients taking so-called SSRI, antidepressant, will stop taking it within the first three months. So I infer from that that uh, we may not be doing all that well in terms of managing side effects. Do you suggest maybe using a checklist or something, to, especially for those that are on the 15-minute med check sort of schedule? How can you possibly assess all the different side effects in that brief of a time? It's very hard, Leslie. I think that a checklist is a good idea if you can have the patient complete that while he or she is in the waiting room. That's great. But you really need a systematic approach. If you just ask, how are things going, the patient is not really going to provide you with the information that you need. Right. So as you mentioned with the sexual side effects, it's important to ask specifically about certain side effects. Yeah, and that's hard. A lot of us are still a little bit shy about asking questions on matters of sexuality. And as I said, if you don't ask, uh, the patient won't tell. You mentioned that compliance is not great with SSRIs in particular. What are the most complained about side effects with them? Well, you get different answers, Leslie, depending on whether you look in the PDR or at the real-world data. It also depends a lot on the particular antidepressant, uh, whether you ask the patient casually about side effects or whether you do a structured uh, assessment. If you look at rates in the PDR for most of the serotonergic antidepressants, the most common ones are usually GI complaints like diarrhea or nausea, drowsiness or fatigue and sexual dysfunction. And oddly enough, insomnia is almost as common as drowsiness. It depends a lot, I think, on the patient. Headache, nervousness, fairly common, especially with fluoxetine, Prozac. Dry mouth is also seen to some degree. Of course, we've all had patients who gain some weight on the SSRIs, even though some may initially lose weight. Elderly patients in particular may lose weight. 
One of the side effects you don't hear that much about is hyponatremia, and, and that actually can occur anywhere from, let's say, 3 to 10% of patients treated with an SSRI, especially the elderly. It can really sneak up on you. You may not know that until you find that the patient's mental status has actually changed. Occasionally, we do see patients on SSRIs who will develop extrapyramidal side effects, akathisia, or even prolactin-related side effects. Sometimes cognitive dulling or apathy may be reported. So that's all by way of generalizations. In terms of the real-world data, there's an interesting study from Kaiser Permanente where they looked at patients taking either Prozac or Paxil. And the figures look a little bit different than those in the PDR. The top five side effects were drowsiness, dry mouth, insomnia, anxiety, and sexual dysfunction, which if you want to remember that, I use the mnemonic, don't drop in anytime soon. <laughs> That's D-D-I-A-S, drowsiness, about 41%, dry mouth, about 32%, insomnia, about 26%, anxiety, 24%, sexual dysfunction, 24%. So that's how that particular study broke down. Let's take them one at a time, and if you could give us your tips on either how to find out the side effects that the patients may have, but probably more importantly, what to do if we do find out about them. How do you manage sedation? Well, first of all, as my uh, friend Dan Carlat has pointed out, you have to make sure that when the patient is complaining of fatigue or sedation, uh, that they don't have some kind of underlying sleep disorder such as obstructive sleep apnea or restless leg syndrome or a sleep problem that is actually secondary to the antidepressant. For example, SSRIs can actually produce abnormal leg movements at night and that can lead to a very crummy non-restorative night sleep and the patient will complain of daytime fatigue. Now, on the other hand, if the patient is experiencing a true sedating effect from the medication, and usually they'll tell you something like, I could fall asleep any minute during the day, then uh, dose reduction can sometimes be helpful. Rescheduling the dose so that they're taking it, whatever, whatever time they're taking it, you change it. <laughs> and it, it's strange. People seem to you know, respond in different ways to that maneuver. If the sedation persists, and the patient needs to stay on that particular antidepressant at the same dose, then you can consider adding a psychostimulant like methylphenidate, Ritalin, or possibly modafinil, Provigil. But there are, of course, risks when you start adding in medications like that. How about the second D, dry mouth? Dry mouth is a little bit easier to deal with. Um, There are a lot of options. There are sugar-free candies that may help. There are so-called artificial saliva products, which sounds pretty gross, but uh, (laughs) I understand they can work. Fluoride lozenges. I used to have fairly good results using bethanicol, which I think is uracoline, 10 to 50 milligrams TID. That's sort of a cholinomimetic agent, and that can help. Some people will use a pilocarpine solution for dry mouth. And, of course, you have the option of switching to a less anticholinergic agent. Some people don't realize it, but paroxetine Paxil actually has a little bit of anticholinergic effect to it. So sometimes switching off that to a different agent can be helpful. Now, Ron, do you ever see that dry mouth 
that clinicians tend to be a bit dismissive about it, that it's no big deal and the patients should, as we say in the West, uh, cowboy up a little <laughs> bit and you know get over it. It's no big deal. Where our dental colleagues try to convince us otherwise. You can easily dismiss it, but in fact, it's a problem in terms of uh, dental caries, cavities, and eventually uh, gum disease if the the condition persists too long. So I think we do need to take it seriously. Now, the third one on your list was the eye, uh, insomnia. How do you manage that? Well, first of all, it's tricky because insomnia, of course, may be part of the original depression itself, or it may be a side effect of the agent that you're using either directly by stimulating effects of the medication or by causing, for example, abnormal leg movements or even akathisia. And uh, the SSRIs can produce uh, those movement problems occasionally. So what do you do after you've tried to sort that out? uh, Dose reduction can sometimes work, or if the medication seems too stimulating, if it's given at night, you can try giving it in the morning. Of course, uh, you can change to a more sedating antidepressant, uh, such as mirtazapine, which is Remeron and others. Sometimes you end up needing to add a small amount of sedative at bedtime. Trazodone is fairly popular, 50 to 100 milligrams at HS, though that does have some risks, small risk of priapism in men, and some people will get a little hypotensive with trazodone, so you have to be careful. Sometimes you end up needing to add a hypnotic at bedtime, whether a benzodiazepine or a non-benzodiazepine. Ideally, you would do that for a relatively short period, uh, like two or three weeks, and then taper that off if, if you possibly can. Makes sense. Now, fourth on the list was anxiety. Well, some patients, of course, have anxiety as part of their original depressive picture. Anxiety and depression are so intertwined, it's very hard to separate them. If it looks like the anxiety is directly due to the uh, antidepressant itself, then you may need to change to another agent or possibly uh, use a short-term trial on a benzodiazepine. Makes sense. And then I think the hardest for many of us is the last in your list, sexual dysfunction. What do you do? Right. That is a tough one. You know, there aren't, in, in some cases, any easy answers. If you want to keep the patient on, for example, a serotonergic agent, Certainly, you know, you can change them to an agent that is not associated with sexual problems, such as bupropion, wellbutrin. Uh, Nefazidone, serzone, is also probably associated with fewer sexual side effects than the SSRIs. But if you need to keep the person on the uh, agent, then, you know, pharmacologically, you, you really have five options. You can try to increase dopaminergic tone. You can try to antagonize serotonin receptors. You can try to increase noradrenergic tone. You can try to increase nitric oxide, which is basically what Viagra does. Or you can increase cholinergic tone. What does that come down to in practice? In terms of dopaminergic tone, you can certainly try adding a small amount of a stimulant like methylphenidate. Bupropion, wellbutrin, again, if you don't have that as the primary agent, sometimes adding a small amount of that can help with sexual dysfunction. Some people will use ciproheptadine, which is a serotonin antagonist. Some clinicians say that if you uh, give that prior to sexual intercourse, if people are good at scheduling those things, you can time it just right and get some benefits. You can try adding a Viagra, which uh, increases nitric oxide. And that actually is probably among the better studied strategies, at least in men. 
And uh, in men, uh, placebo-controlled trials do show that adding Viagra to a Sildenafil, that is, to an SSRI, uh, does lead to improved sexual functioning. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Ron. My pleasure. We've been speaking about the fine points of the art of side effect management with our guest today, psychiatrist Dr. Ron Pies. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments, so please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Thank you for listening. Welcome to this month's special programming series, Spotlight on Neurology and Psychiatry, on ReachMD XM157. This ReachMD program is featured on CIRMO, a free online community exclusively for physicians. To discuss this program with your colleagues, visit www.sermo.com. That's S-E-R-M-O dot When you join, enter ReachMD in the promotion box to receive a $15 Amazon gift card.